We know that many congregations are putting together their budgets for the next fiscal year. Please consider adding the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. to your congregation's mission or advertising budget for 2009. Simply go to the sponsors page of our website, issuesetc.org, and find out more about the Issues Etc. 300. We're looking for 300 congregations to donate $1,000 to Issues Etc. You'll even find a one-page flyer that you can hand out. Thanks for your support. I'm introducing a bill to bring marriage equality to the state of New York. This is a civil rights issue. You know what? I think that I believe that a marriage should be between a man and a woman. No offense to anybody out there, but that's how I was raised, and that's how I think that it should be between a man and a woman. Thank you. Gee, well, why don't we blame Winston Churchill and and FDR for focusing too narrowly on defeating the Nazis to the neglect of other issues? Mormon bosoms burn at a higher centigrade than non-Mormon bosoms. Southern Illinois truck drivers who love issues, etc. If you remember correctly, it is this subject that is in fact the, at least in historical terms, if not theological terms, the jumping off point, the springboard for the entire Protestant Reformation, repentance. And it is this innocuous, or at least he intended it to be a somewhat innocuous assertion by one Martin Luther before he was famous for the Reformation. When our Lord Christ says, repent, he desires that the whole life of the Christian be one of repentance. And that's how he began the 95 Theses. And the, those 95 Theses, in many ways, sparked the Protestant Reformation. It started something. It started with the subject of repentance. And what does Christ mean? What do the apostles mean when they say, each and every one of them, repent? We're going to be talking about repentance, our ongoing pastor's roundtable conversation based upon the Augsburg Confession, the very first of the Lutheran Confessions. Today, we'll talk about repentance. It's Article uh, 12, if you're interested. And our pastor's roundtable will be dealing with it for the first hour of the program. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Thanks for tuning us in. In the second hour of the program, Colleen Carroll Campbell will join us to talk about two issues the next Archbishop of the Roman Catholic Diocese of St. Louis is, uh, I think, in a couple of months scheduled to be installed as the Archbishop. We're going to talk about who he is and what he's done elsewhere. The Food and Drug Administration said that if you're 17, you don't need a prescription to get the morning-after pill anymore. You can have it, too. Colleen will join us for both of those subjects. Then Dr. Andrew Steinman will be with us for the better part of the second hour to talk about prayer. Our call in number one eight seven seven six two three six nine four three eight seven seven six two three my IE or talk back at issuesetc.org. Joining us here in studio for our pastor's roundtable on repentance, Pastor Tony Trope. He's pastor of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Waterloo, Illinois. Tony, thanks for coming in. Good to be here, Todd. Next to him, Pastor Mark Nebel, pastor of St. John's Lutheran Church in Red Bud, Illinois. Hi, Mark. Todd, it's good to be with you. And then from a greater distance. Pastor George Borghart, Conroe, Texas, where he serves as associate pastor at St. Mark Lutheran Church. George, welcome back. Howdy. George, let's start with you, because if I'm not mistaken, you are a former son of Rome, aren't you? Yes, and it's, it's Divine Mercy Week in Rome. Forgiveness is free, even in Rome. Really? What do you mean by that? This week. Um, I'm, I went home and saw my mother. Uh, every Sunday, 
every year, once a year, uh, I think since 1908, in Rome you can, you can go to church on a certain Sunday. I think it has to be the Sunday after Easter, but you go to church on this Sunday and you get forgiveness for free. You go to confession, you don't have to do penance. It's great. My mother asked me what I thought about it. I said, you sound like you had Lutheran Sunday. She didn't find that as funny as I did, but, you know, we can forgive us away every week. It's Divine Mercy Sunday every week in Lutheranism. Yes, I'm a former son of Rome. All right. During your time, and I think, Tony, are you also a former Roman Catholic? I'm not. My father was Roman Catholic. I thought you were raised in a Roman Catholic home or something like right. that. First with you, George, um, what is what was and is taught in the Roman Church? Because the Lutheran confessors here are speaking specifically to a Roman teaching of repentance, encountering it with the biblical view. What is taught there about repentance? Well, in Rome, much like the evangelicals, um, it's actually kind of funny they agree. Repentance is contrition. You're sorry. That's repentance. It stops there. It's you're really, really sorry. The more sorry, the more uh, reason to be forgiven. But um, and that's very different from Lutherans. Please, uh, it's missing something. It's missing Jesus, missing faith. But for Rome, uh, repentance is... So you're, I'm sorry, and that's it. There's not for Lutheranism. It's it's repentance and uh, contrition and faith and faith. Ready for that? Ready for that forgiveness? That's what repentance is for us. But it's missing something in Rome. Mark, let's talk a little bit about uh, the word itself because it's often said that in the Bible, the word repent, the one that common word that's used for repent, means to turn around or change direction where do we how much do we take from this the uh, the the metanoia the idea of uh, change your mind change your heart you're going in one direction and uh, instead of going in that direction you now turn around and go to the other direction because you know the way you have been going is uh, not only wrong in god's sight but it is also harmful for your light in his name we hear a lot today, Tony, that uh, people don't need to repent. They're already sorry for their sins. They just need to hear about Jesus. And so the church's job is not to go out and beat people over the head with their sins or make them aware of it, just to deliver to them the forgiveness of sins in Jesus. They just need right. the forgiveness part. Why is repentance still necessary? We need to come to grips with our sin and appreciate how offensive it is to God and how harmful it is to other people before we really appreciate, experience God's forgiveness. If I don't think I need forgiveness, what good is the gospel? It's meaningless. So to really appreciate the transforming power of the gospel, forgiveness, you have to realize you're a sinner, and a big one too, uh, that you need Jesus every moment of your life. So where do we find the, this term, Pastor Trope, uh, in, in Holy Scripture? The, the term repent. Where do we go first in Holy Scripture? Go to the Gospels. Well, you, you have um, s- uh, some verses about repentance in the Old Testament, but uh, the ones that come to mind immediately are in the Gospels where John the Baptist preaches to repent, you know, uh, make your way straight, you know, the Savior's coming. And Jesus preaches the same message, repent, turn, turn around, uh, turn to God. Uh, so we see it very early in Jesus' ministry, before Jesus' ministry. Why does Jesus begin this way, uh, Pastor Neville? Why does he begin with, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Uh, the people he was addressing and uh, the people he addresses through his word need to know that by nature 
we are living contrary to God's will and God's ways. We have rejected the one who has created us, and we need to turn from that selfishness, uh, to turn around and go in the, the way that God has given to us, and that is the way of his kingdom, his revelation to us and his son. Okay, then, George, um, I think probably one misconception about repentance that may be very popular even among Christians is that it's kind of that big turning point in your life, that what's really being called for here by Jesus is that kind of one-day encounter with your sin, and then from that point on, you're kind of on the path to self-improvement. Is repentance the thing that happens mostly at the beginning of the Christian life? Um, I hope not, because <laughs> then we're, we're back at our sins again. Uh, repentance is something, it's, it's, it's a place where we live. We live daily re- re- confessing our sins and receiving forgiveness. We live daily coming clean about how we think, do, and feel, and how that is, is contrary to God's word and law. And we also live receiving forgiveness daily. So, um, yeah, when the Lord says for people to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, or when John the Baptist says that, you know, we always get this idea that that's such a law thing, repent. Well, yet, when when he, it's just like, follow me. Repent and follow me both create the very thing that the Lord is after. When he says repent, we are, we are called to repentance. When he says follow me, we follow him. And that's, so there's a lot of gospel in, in the little word repentance, a lot of gospel in following him. All right, then, with about a minute and a half here, the actual Augsburg Confession on Repentance starts in an odd place, it seems to me, Pastor Trope. Our churches teach that there is forgiveness of sins for those who have fallen after baptism whenever they are converted and our church ought to impart absolution to those who return to repentance. What is it speaking to there with about a minute and a half? Well, um, if you lose your focus on Jesus and you live a sinful life, um, you can come to the Lord uh, with repentance and be forgiven. And it's emphasizing that repentance is really uh, a lifelong activity, uh, part of the Christian life, um, especially when you uh, feel the weight of your sin. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it means. Well, when we come back from this break, we're going to explore it in a little more depth. Uh, this notion, when it says, um, when it says, those who have fallen after baptism, whenever they are converted. Almost sounds like they're dealing with some sort of peculiar case or extreme case, but I'm thinking, that sounds like me. I've fallen many times since my baptism and have come in repentance again through the machinations of God's Word to receive forgiveness. And if Luther's right, when Jesus says, when he says repent, he means that the whole life of the Christian ought to be one of repentance, all life long. It sounds like this is something that is daily with us. And that repentance is always necessary every day, every hour of the day. It's our Pastors Roundtable this Thursday, April the 23rd. I'm Todd Wilkin. We are coming to you live. Our call-in number, because you are welcome to join us, one eight seven seven six two three my ie 877-623-6943, or talkback at issuesetc.org, talkback at issuesetc.org. Our Pastors Roundtable, Pastor George Borghart. Associate Pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Conroe, Texas. Pastor Tony Trope, Pastor of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Waterloo, Illinois. 
And Pastor Mark Nebel, pastor of St. John's Lutheran Church in Redbud, Illinois, one 623 6943 or talk back at issuesetc.org. Stay tuned. at NewReformationPress.com are committed to providing a hand-picked selection of books and teaching materials that educate, inform, and entertain while relentlessly focusing on the gospel. Discover our growing library of resources by Dr. Rod Rosenblatt of the White Horse Inn Radio Program, including his powerful address, The Gospel for Those Broken by the Church, or Bible in an Hour by Pastor Wade Butler. And be sure not to miss our selection of t-shirts, gifts, and artwork. NewReformationPress.com. Finally, Reformation Theology Made Accessible. On behalf of the staff of Issues Etc., thanks to the more than 7,600 who signed the online petition to bring Issues Etc. back, Julie Nizik, Steve Lewis, Trevor Kennedy, Shirley Van Leer, Barbara Rupold, Robert Esch, Sandra Ryder, Rhonda Perkins, Pastor R.H. Krieger, and Wendy Slifka. Thanks for your support. Back by popular demand, you're listening to Issues Etc. Issues Etc. regular guest, Pastor Stephen Parks, on why your congregation should join the Issues Etc. 300. If I could, I'd just like to challenge any Lutheran pastors that are listening to consider becoming one of the congregations that supports Issues Etc. My own congregation is a very small church. And uh, I know it can be difficult to try and budget $1,000 a year to become one of the issues, etc., 300. But if you're being blessed by this, as I know you are, and if your congregation is being blessed by this, as I know that it is, I submit to bring it to the congregation to prayerfully consider supporting the outreach of issues, etc., not only here in the United States, but also around the world. Thank you so much for what you do. Please consider adding the worldwide outreach of issues, etc., to your congregation's mission or advertising budget, simply go to the Promote page of our website, issuesetc.org. We're looking for 300 congregations to donate $1,000 to Issues Etc., the Issues Etc. 300. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about repentance. It's our Pastors Roundtable this Thursday, April the 23rd. Our call in number one eight seven seven six two three six nine four three, or talk back at issuesetc.org. Mark, when it talks about people falling after baptism, that sounds to me like me. I was baptized as a baby, but I have fallen so many times. It, it's it, it lost count. Many, 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 many years ago. Are they talking about ordinary Christians or these particular kind of Christians that somehow stray away from the faith once and for all after baptism? Well, you have a key word there, and that's baptism. And that is the gift of God, his covenant promise, where he makes us his own chosen children. And as I always teach families when they bring a child to be baptized, the way we say it is, I am baptized, not I was baptized, as if it were just something in our historic past that doesn't have daily meaning for us. Uh, Those of us who are married 
don't go around saying I was married. Because if we're close enough to our wives, we're going to get an elbow on our side. What do you mean you was married? Aren't you still married? And it's the same with our baptism. We say, I am baptized. And every day that we get up and we can put our feet on the floor and say, I am baptized, we know that in that we have God's forgiveness of our sins. Because we are connected to Christ and his death upon the cross for that forgiveness. And in his resurrection from the dead for our promise of new and eternal life. And that is where our repentance as its source, is through the gift of his Holy Spirit given to us in our baptism. Going to that a little bit more, Tony, if you would, the connection between being uh, living the baptized life and living the life that is also marked by Christian repentance. When you're baptized, you become a child of God. Uh, your sins are forgiven. You see that in the waters of holy baptism, but you still have to live uh, the Christian life, and there are ups and downs, there are struggles. Um, and so you need to uh, recall your baptism every day that you are forgiven, you are redeemed. Um, you have to drown that old Adam through repentance, uh, through remembering the forgiveness that Jesus provides. Um, I've been a Christian since I was, a, I was baptized as an infant, and I remember these ups and downs throughout my life as a child, as a teenager. Uh, it's been a life of repentance and experiencing the forgiveness of God in Christ in a powerful way. Um, I can tell you some pretty uh, wonderful stories. Um, I don't know if you have time for all those stories. but Well, give us one. Well, um, and this is a very personal story, so uh, bear with me. When I was in high school— um, I've been a Christian all my life. When I was in high school, the Holy Spirit convicted me of my hatred of my father's second wife. Uh, she had broken up our family, and so I hated her intensely. And one day as I was walking to high school, I had to walk about a mile to high school, uh, I just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I repented, and uh, God forgave me, and I was walking down the street like I was walking on air. You know, that weight was taken away from me, and I was able to forgive uh, my father's second wife. Uh, and it made a profound difference in my life. I don't think I would be a pastor had I not forgiven my father's second wife, had I not experienced that repentance. Um, so I think it's life-changing. And to really experience the power of the gospel you need it. You need to repent daily. You're not always going to have that kind of experience, but you're going to have it throughout your life. George, what if someone says to you, look, I understand that repentance needs to be kind of part of the Christian's life, but daily repentance? Come on, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not that bad. <laughs> well, that's the way we all feel. Well, I mean, I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as Todd Wilkins. Um, we always make comparisons. We always view ourselves on the scale next to the next person. You know, I'm not as bad. I'm not a Hitler. I'm not a murderer. The abuser says, I, I may have pushed somebody, but I, I didn't hit her with my fist. Um, that's when the law of God needs to come to bear on the person. So a, a hard, good, hard law look at themselves. Um, the application of God's law specifically. You know, what exactly do you do? How, how are you living? Let's go through the commandments. Let's Let's talk about... You know, how you spend your time, how you spend your money. Is it, you know, how's your off? Where's your, let's, let's get your chief God. Where's your offering going? Is it, is it the first thing you do or is it the last thing you do? 
Um, you know, what, what, is, what consumes your thoughts? Do you even pray? You know, we just run through the commandments all the way through. You know, we always think we five and six jump out at us as really bad, but nine and ten are bad, just as bad as you know as six, uh, five and six, and so is one and two. What I love about the confessions is is they move us toward forgiveness. Our churches teach that forgiveness of sins for those who have fallen after baptism uh, ought to be given. Ought we ought to impart absolution so that there's never a priest. Sitting there, looking at the looking at the person, going, "I don't really think you're sorry enough." Um, no, we, we, we're going we're to give forgiveness, but not forgiveness for those who who have some part of their life which they don't need forgiven. Which part of your life do you not need forgiven? The whole of your life, if you look at it with God's law, needs needs to be covered in the waters of your baptism. George brings up a good point. We like to play comparative sanctification. Chief of sinners though I be, Todd is worse than me. You know, uh, if you compare yourself to an inmate at uh, Menard, uh, relatively speaking, you're probably a good guy, but our standard is not the neighbor. Our standard is God's holy law. Our standard is the perfect life of Jesus Christ. And in light of that, I am a poor, miserable sinner in need, in desperate need of Jesus Christ, his love and forgiveness. Mark, somebody out there is saying, okay, now I understand this constant need for it, but how does it manifest itself in our lives? Because I think I would drive myself to uh, some kind of neuroses if I were to say, okay, I'm constantly in need of repentance and constantly in need of forgiveness, I wouldn't get anything else done in my life if I repented as often as I need to. And they're trying to think, how do I work this into my day? Should I just always be on my knees repenting? What's, how does this work, and how would you advise someone in that respect? Well, I know I know a guy like you who's got a day planner. You just got to schedule it in there some well, point in time. Oh, he does. Yeah, he takes he, care of the scheduling he, for he's you. He's my walking day planner. Um, so how does it work? I think it, it is in a, a realization every day of our need for God's forgiveness. And we have that need for God's forgiveness because every day we sin much and deserve nothing but punishment. And if we keep that sin to ourselves, and we've spoken of a neurosis and what it does to you to try to always confess the sin and, and receive the forgiveness, what does it do to you if you don't confess the sin? How is that going to eat us up? Uh, both spiritually uh, and physically and mentally too, if we're holding on to that sin and not acknowledging it, not saying the same thing about it as God says in his word, which is what the word confession means. Okay, George, let's talk about those things that Pastor Neville has raised. What does it do to someone to live in unrepentance? What are are the costs of unrepentance? Let me look at my own life. No, um... I would say guilt, terror, self-righteousness, um, fear. I mean, these are, these, are, these are not the fruit of the gospel. That's the, the antithesis of the gospel. Terror, a troubled conscience. I deal with theaters all the time. When they get grounded, I have to look at they say, Pastor, I'm grounded for the rest of my life. Good. What? Well, you know, if you hadn't gotten caught, if you hadn't been forced to come clean about your sins, you would have lived in your sins. How great that the Lord has disciplined you. Oh, that's not what we... See, the, the comparison game runs, runs out at, at confession. 
when 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 the Lord brings to bear His law on us, and we're forced to come clean about our sin, and we realize that we've not just I mean, the only difference between that, that murderer and me is that they got caught, and I didn't. My hate hasn't been broadcast live for everyone to see. Then, then we get the wonderful, liberating words of, of, repent, of, of repentance. Freedom from what you've done. Turning and going a different way. And not some sort of psychological thing where, you know, it was, I was really bad, but now I'm getting better. I repented. But a life spent telling God, I'm, I'm sorry for what I've done. Uh, please forgive me. Uh, freed from what you've done. It's not something you have to put on your day planner. It's, it's, it's a life living in forgiveness. Um, how, how many of our homes never have the words, I forgive you, in them? Instead they have, you know, go to your room. I don't want to talk to you. Sleep on the couch. Um, or, 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 or don't come home. What if... What if repentance was something that went on in our homes, too? Mom, I'm sorry. Son, you're forgiven. You still get to go to your room because you, you messed up, but you're forgiven. You know, <laughs> the whole of our Christian life is not something we're going we're gonna to schedule in. It means that this is the way we're going to live. We're going to live apologizing for what we've done wrong to God and to our neighbor, being, contr- being contrite about it, realizing we can't stand before God by what we've done. And then, but not stopping there, because Judas was there, and he, didn't, he wasn't saved, fleeing to the forgiveness of sins which is in Christ Jesus, given to us as, your, as the guys who are smarter than me in your office, at, in, your, in your studio, said, at the baptismal font. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Live this Thursday afternoon. It's the 23rd of April. What kind of questions or comments or stories do you have to tell about repentance? It's our subject for our pastor's roundtable, our in-studio email address. And we get that email right here in the studio, talkback at issuesetc.org, talkback at issuesetc.org, and our call-in number, one 877 623 877-623-MYIE. More of our Pastors Roundtable on repentance after this. Too Lutheran for a Lutheran radio station. You're listening to Issues Etc. On behalf of the staff of Issues Etc., thanks to each and every one of the more than 7,600 who signed the online petition to bring back Issues Etc. Carol Monken, Carrie Sawyer, David Becker, T.J. Meyer, Brad Yunker, Matthew Wheatfeld, Roy Lewis Jr., Marie Holowich, and David Consigny. Thanks for your support. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, Executive Director of Life Issues Institute. Doctor said Faith wouldn't live for more than minutes or hours. She was diagnosed with anencephaly halfway through her mother's pregnancy. Maya, Faith's mother, was offered a late-term abortion, but she declined. When doctors persisted, it just made Maya more determined. Faith is over seven weeks old and doing well. Other than changing a sterile head bandage once a day, Faith leads a normal life for an infant her age. After watching Faith and her mother interact over the Internet, it's easy to see the blessings God has given each of them. Who knows if Faith will have tomorrow, but we do know she has Jesus. Check in on Faith by visiting Maya's website. Go to lifeissues.org and click on today's broadcast link. 
You can even follow Maya's blog. Life Issues. Stay informed. More informed than you've ever been. Have you heard of the CLCC, the Confessional Lutherans for Christ's Commission? We're deeply involved in providing seminars to build up Christ's Church with education and training for the laity. So far, we've held seminars on confessional topics at churches in Minnesota, Utah, Oregon, and Washington, and planning is underway to hold seminars in several other states coast-to-coast. Visit the CLCC.org. Check us out. Get on the mailing list, or better yet, join us. See how your church can host a seminar, too. Go to theclcc.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Talking about repentance, the pastor's roundtable. Okay, Mark, um, you have an analogy that you want to use because baptism has become, uh, has woven itself into this conversation. You really can't, at least from a Reformation perspective, even discuss repentance without a thorough understanding of Christian baptism. You call it your first, middle, and last name analogy? What is it? Well, I'm going to use baptism as a jumping-off point. Uh, when parents bring a child to be baptized, uh, that child is, is given a name, and uh, there's a, usually, in our day and age, it's a first, middle, and a last name. And of course, the last name is going to be the family name, and the first name is going to be a, a name the parents have picked out. But that middle name sometimes can be one that we don't like to use or even acknowledge, because perhaps we were named after great uncle Engelbert and uh, as an honor to him, and that's not something we want to share with people. What's your middle name? Alan. So is mine. <laughs> All right. And I don't like it. Never had it. <laughs> Craig, too. <laughs> yeah, and Craig's got one of those as well. Well, we'll talk about who's got it spelled the right way after the show. A-L-A-N. Yeah. Really? That's yeah. the right way? There we go. Um, but it's the same in this subject. We have, as Christians, a first, middle, and a last name in the sense of the first name is sin, and the last name is forgiveness. But to get between those two names, there's the middle name, repentance, or if you want to say it, confession. But so often, like many who have a middle name they don't care to share, we want to gloss over that middle name and go straight from the sin to the forgiveness and skip that whole repentance or confession part. And I think of examples or experiences I've had as a pastor where we have certainly the privilege under the office of the keys of pronouncing God's absolution or forgiveness. But there are also times that we have the responsibility of confronting the sinner with their sin. And having had to do that on a few occasions personally, privately, I'm reminded of those times where people were upset with me. Pastor, why didn't you say so-and-so was forgiven? And I think to myself, that's terrible. Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I announce God's forgiveness and proclaim that? And then I realized, so-and-so never said, I'm sorry. There was no repentance. There was no confession of sin. And without that confession of sin... While the forgiveness is still there, there's no hand to receive it. There's no acknowledgement of the sin. The gospel of God is to be proclaimed to sinners who are sorry for their sins. 
it won't find a home in the hearts of sinners who are secure in their sins. Bonhoeffer says that cheap grace is forgiveness without repentance. And he's absolutely right. You know, when you don't have repentance, grace means nothing. Um, you're not seeking forgiveness. You don't want forgiveness when there's no repentance. So uh, that's very, very good analogy. George, is repentance something that I do? <laughs> Dude, you just keep throwing softballs. It's, you, you love me that much, Todd? Yes, you I do. You look over your yeah. questions, you're like, I'm going to throw a board card an easy one. He's suffering in Texas. It's kind of 90 <laughs> degrees. Repentance is not something we do. Some, repentance is something that God works in us. He does the doing. Um, because it has to be. Our understanding of repentance includes one very important part. Repentance is not just I turn from one direction to another. Repentance in Lutheranism includes faith which means open hand, expecting Jesus to fill it up with forgiveness. You are grabbing him by the collar, and you are going to forgive me. And you're not, you're not the sort of Lord who won't, because of Christ and what he did for me. So, yeah, that doesn't come from us. That's the work of the Holy Spirit through the means of grace, through the Word, the water, the body and blood of Jesus. He works that contrition and faith in us. So oftentimes, you know, repentance is something that we were, we were going to measure. Uh, we're going we're to be uh, how sorry I am. I was in confession as a young pup. I had stolen candy and placed the candy under candy wrappers underneath my brother's um, brother's bed. Brilliantly done. He was framed, and I was free until I wanted more candy. And then I got busted and dragged to confession. And the priest is in front of me. I'm pouring my eyeballs out. I'm so sorry. I'm a thief. I'm a robber. I'm a sinner. And the guy looks at me and says, well, you're, you're forgiven. And I said, well, what penance do I have to do? Well, you're sorry enough. No! <laughs> no, that's not right. Not a matter of sorry enough. Forgiveness needs to rest. Forgive, uh, repentance needs to rest solely in Christ, who, who, who bore my sins on the tree and washed them away. We're not forgiven because we're sorry enough. Repentance isn't measured because it's sorry enough. It's at the, it's at the Jesus point where he forgives us is where that, that becomes solely the work of God and not us. Sorry for my rant. But it's Divine Mercy Week, and I'm feeling free. Okay, Mark, Elaine in Canada says, I always feel like a great sinner, but then I remember that Christ died for me and all sinners. It is finished. Did he not die for my past, present, and yes, future sins? That's Elaine in Canada. What's your response? Yes. You so, want more? <laughs> Someone would say, if he's, if he's also died for the sins I'm going to commit, then, then um, I guess there are two questions there. Can't I repent of them in advance and get it all out of the way? Or why would I do them? Plan repentance is not repentance. You know, if you say, I'm going to rob a bank in about a week, and then I'll repent later, and, you know, that's, that's no good. That's no good. So planned repentance is not repentance. But the, the blood of Jesus covers all our sins, past, present, future. So... Uh, that's a good thing to remember. And, and at the point of our repentance, you know, aren't, aren't we sincerely not only sorry for what we've done, but at least at that point we're thinking, I, I don't want to do this again. I'm not planning on doing this again. It, it happens. We do it again, and we repent of it again. 
But our repentance, it's not, I'm sorry for doing it now. Uh, tomorrow, that'll be a whole other thing. But what I love about the comment, though, from the from the um, the person in Canada, what was her name again? Elaine. Elaine. Is that is an understanding of the gospel, that Jesus died for me, and his blood truly does cover all my sins. And that, the fruit of that is, I don't want to sin anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I've been freed from that. Now, that's the antithesis of the law, which the more the law presses down on me, the more I begin to despair, and the more sin pops out of, of the seams of, of, of Borkhart. But in the Gospel, he has forgiven me all my sins. I gladly, too, will forgive and do well to those who have sinned against me. Okay, they say, then good works are bound to follow, which are the fruit mm-hmm. of repentance. And I think they're making reference not only to Galatians, but also to, you mentioned John the Baptist before, bear fruit that befits repentance. When it says good works are bound to follow, how should we understand that, Tony? Well, uh, the sister's comment, I'm a great sinner. You realize you're a great sinner, but you have a greater Savior, and out of thankfulness and love for what the Savior has done for you, giving his all for you, dying, rising again, you want to do what he wants you to do. You want to live the way he wants you to live. Uh, And uh, I think that's always on the Christian's mind. As soon as you become a Christian, you want to show your thankfulness by living a Christ-like life. Here's how it kind of manifests itself psychologically in me, and that is um, the greater the knowledge of my own sin, I tend to be – and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but the greater the knowledge of my own sin, I tend to be far more merciful with other people, realizing, Absolutely. realizing Absolutely. golly – how could I possibly hold this against that person or deal with that person harshly or, or uh, uh, not show love for them when, when I've been shown such great mercy and love? Is, is that an experience that you have as well, Mark? Well, you're, in talking about the good works that follow, the thing that struck me first is when we repent of a sin, perhaps there's that thing that we can do to make up for that or at least to reverse the wrong that we have committed. If the sin we're repenting of is the fact that I've stolen my neighbor's bicycle, my repentance doesn't mean that I repaint the thing and then ride it as my own. It means that we take the bicycle back and say, I'm sorry, I took this from you. Here it is back. And there's the beginning of that good work. And the continuation of the good work would be not stealing the bicycle again. Okay, George, we've... Go ahead, George. Oh, I'm sorry. You've got about a minute here. Ready to go. Uh, the good works are, are bound to follow. Isn't 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 going to condemn us to some sort of law? We get squirried. Oh my goodness! Now I've repented. I got to go do some good works. Oh no! Back under the law. It's really simple. A good tree grows what kind of fruit? Good fruit. Good fruit. Bad right. tree grows bad fruit. A forgiven tree grows forgiven fruit. Born anew in the waters of our baptism. Good works follow. Now we may not be there. Measure them. We may. I don't know what's there. You know, the sheep in front of the shepherd on the last day go. I don't know when we fed you. I don't know when you were thirsty. We gave you something to drink. I don't know when we clothed you and gave you. What are you talking about? But yet, he knows. And so, good trees bear good fruit. Forgiven trees they bear forgiven fruit. Um, sanctification tree style. All right. When we come back. 
Our churches condemn the Anabaptists. We'll find out who they are or were, who deny that those who have once been justified can lose the Holy Spirit. They also condemn those that argue that some may reach such a state of perfection in this life that they cannot sin or do not sin. We'll deal with both of those errors. Along the lines of the Augsburg Confession, we're talking about repentance in our Pastors' Roundtable. I'm Todd Wilkins. Stay tuned. Would you like to support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. by making a regular, monthly, tax-deductible gift? We've made it easy for you to donate using automatic withdrawal. Simply fill out and mail the automatic billing authorization form under the donate page of our website, issuesetc.org. No more writing monthly checks or making monthly PayPal contributions. Issuesetc.org. Click donate and fill out and mail the automatic withdrawal form. Thanks for your support. Are you looking for a Christ-centered, cross-focused church? Check out the new Find a Church page at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Find a Church. Are you tired of worship that's more about self-help than the Savior, the Christian rather than the Christ, and the Christ in you instead of Christ for you? It's not about you. It's about Jesus for you. Find a church near you, issuesetc.org. Click Find a Church. When we say Lutheran, we mean Lutheran. You're listening to Issues Etc. On behalf of the staff of Issues Etc., thanks to each and every one of the more than 7,600 who signed the online petition to bring back Issues Etc. Stacy Doggett, Mary Barron, M. Lewis, Ross Tweeton, Christine Beeth, Sarah Fawcett, Diane Chadwick, Marlon Zobel, James Fox, and Nadine Reed. Thanks for your support. Here's an easy way for you to publicize Issues Etc. at your church. Go to the Promote page of our website, issuesetc.org, and you'll find a short paragraph to include in your weekly church bulletin. Help inform your fellow parishioners about Issues Etc. issuesetc.org. Click Promote and copy and paste the text for your church secretary or pastor to include each week in the Sunday Bulletin. We update this paragraph weekly. Go to the Promote page of our website, issuesetc.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. Ten more minutes in our Pastor's Roundtable on Repentance. Pastor George Borghart, Pastor Tony Trope, and Pastor Mark Nebel are our guests. one 623 6943 Or talk back at issuesetc.org. All right, who are these Anabaptists, George? And what's wrong with denying that someone who's been justified can lose the Holy Spirit? I slipped up while you were saying Anabaptists. Right before the break, it's bad people. They're not bad people. Just wrong. The Anabaptists were a group that believed that we needed to be baptized over again. They're not the source of the Baptists, the Southern Baptists, but they're very, very similar. Um, the idea is, is simple, once saved, always saved. Once you're in, you're in. How do you know you're in? Well, you're in. Well, what about my, what about my terrible, sinful life? Well, it's okay, you're in. Um, 
the problem with that is it denies, um, well, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It denies repentance. It also denies the scriptures and the places where, where, where those that fall away. Um, so uh, the, the problem there is it, it's salvation by a one-time event rather than by Christ and what he did for us. Eyes off of Christ, eyes on to me, well, then we were already lost our salvation. Eyes on Jesus, well, then our salvation is as certain as Jesus is. But, uh, yeah, we can fall away. It's very sad. Once we fall away, it's almost impossible, says Hebrews, for us to be brought back. Tony, what is uh, what does the Scripture have to say about the possibility of losing the Holy Spirit? It's a very real possibility, um, and that's why Scripture urges us to be strong in the Word, resist the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, um, and he targets Christians. So I, I think the Bible is quite clear about the need to be strong in faith so you don't fall away, so that you can be an effective servant of the Lord God. I mean, if David didn't lose his faith um, after committing adultery with Bathsheba, he came pretty close. Um, and we've got guys like Saul losing faith. And, you know, um, you, you kind of wonder about Judas, mm-hmm. people like that. And Paul says, I forget their names, but they made a shipwreck of their faith. Do you remember their names, Mark? They're too complicated uh, to pronounce. Yeah, they're very complicated <laughs> to pronounce. Uh, Hymenaeus was one of them. Hymenaeus, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Alexander, the metal worker, did right. great harm. Right. Okay, then, um, how do I know I still have the Holy Spirit? If I can lose the Holy Spirit, is it kind of like my car keys? Because I can Jesus, lose I can Jesus <laughs> is Lord, Jesus is my Savior. If, if you can say Jesus is my Savior, believe in your heart, confess with your lips, you've got the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. Well, that's pretty simple. This that's pretty the, simple. <laughs> this is a really scary thing about, as you said earlier, with the... <clears throat> I'm going to sin, sin and get forgiveness afterwards. Easier to get forgiveness than permission. It's the Lord that brings us back. It's really tempting God. I mean, you're, we're assuming that God is going to work repentance in us. Really? And that, again, is looking inside of ourselves that we're really not that bad of people, and we deserve it. You don't deserve mercy. You don't deserve forgiveness. You don't deserve the Holy Spirit calling you by the gospel of heaven solely by grace alone through faith. So, sorry about that. The very seems, last part of this seems, seems like to the very last part of the Augsburg Confession on on repentance seems to return to what sounds like the Roman problem of you. Yes, you can have forgiveness, but it will require some works of satisfaction on your part. They also reject the those who teach that it is necessary to perform works of satisfaction commanded by church law in order to remit eternal punishment or the punishment of purgatory. I mean, already their purgatory is, is in view, and the Roman system of penance is in view. So, Mark, let's deal with this. Well, it's real easy for Lutherans to say, oh, golly, we don't do penance. It still finds its way into our lives. We still find our, ourselves saying, I'm going to make up for this. I know God's forgiven me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it double sure by making up for it. How do we respond to this? Well, it's part of our nature to, to always want to turn things back on ourselves. Um, George mentioned the, the once saved, always saved theology that, that we reference here with the Anabaptists, that we put our, our trust and our confidence in the fact that it, at one time I had faith. Um, or even, uh, you know, as Lutheran Christians, 
who have been taught that we are justified by God's grace through faith, we tend to forget about the grace part and focus on the faith part and say, Pastor, that was really a difficult time that I went through, but my faith got me through it. And in this matter, too, uh, we may want to focus on the good works that we do following that repentance and that forgiveness and start to get the mistaken idea that we are forgiven because of those good works that we have done or because of the faith that we had. And since when is forgiveness earned? Forgiveness is always a gift, always a gift. Uh, Quite frankly, when I forgive somebody, if they try to make it up to me, I kind of get a little irritated. You know, I've forgiven you. (laughs) Let it go. Uh, Forgiveness is always a gift. Grace is a gift, you know, and uh, I think we can serve the Lord out of gratitude, out of love, but to try to make it up to God, I mean, what? It's absurd. You just can't do it. We we recognize in ourselves our own self-righteousness. We we do um, we do our Christian life similar to I do my diet. I've had two good meals. Whoops, I had a bad one. But the two good meals make up for the bad one. I I did that sin, but I'm 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 sorry for it. I'm doing better. And we and and inside of our mind, the scales do its thing, where our good outweighs our bad. And as a, as you so said wonderfully, forgiveness is free. Salvation is free. Jesus has plopped himself down on our scale. He's on the good side, and the whole thing goes push, and there's no more bad because it's all been taken away by him. But Pastor Borghardt, that's not how real life works, someone says. Someone says, in real life, and I'll speak for myself as Wilkin, when I uh, don't eat the way I ought to as a 45-year-old man, I am highly motivated to get back on that treadmill and put in some extra miles each and every day, and that's a good thing. That's good for me. But it sounds like you're saying there's none of that when it comes to our sin, the forgiveness we've received, and and the forgiveness that we need. Yeah, when you deal with God, God doesn't play the... That's what purgatory... We had the purgatory sentence all about. God doesn't play working off your weight or your sin. So I'm driving with my mother. My mother says she doesn't believe in purgatory, but she's hedging her bets. Thanks, Mom. But it makes sense to her, though, because if, if, I'm, if, if Todd's okay and, he only, and, he, and he's mostly good and he only has a little bit to work off, then he, then he can work that off with a few thousand years in purgatory. Jesus doesn't do that. When, he, when it is finished, it is finished. See, if we're going to use the weight analogy, he kept the weight off for us, and he suffered all that it, all that it takes to, to do that. And in the, uh, so he, he did both. He, he kept the weight off, and he, and he suffered what we do. So it, what works in, in with your weight doesn't, though, work with Jesus, who doesn't deal with us according to what our sins deserve or harbor anger forever. Instead, he sets our sins aside. So um, I would say, you know, you're dealing with someone who doesn't treat you as you merit. Instead, he looks at you and goes, Father, forgive them. That's a better way. Pastor George Borghardt is Associate Pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Conroe, Texas. George, thank you very much for being our guest. Happy Forgiveness Week! Pastor, to you also. <laughs> pastor Tony Trope is Pastor of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Waterloo, Illinois. Tony, thanks for coming in. Good to be here. And Pastor Mark Nebel is Pastor of St. John's Lutheran Church in Redbud, Illinois. Mark, it's always a pleasure. Uh, you're welcome, Todd. It's been great being here. 
Folks, you can read the Augsburg Confession. We have a copy of it posted under the on-demand page of our website, issuesetc.org, issuesetc.org. There are a group of congregations out there that are supporting Issues Etc. We call them the Issues Etc. 300. We don't have 300 yet, but we're working toward 300 congregations that support the outreach of Issues Etc. in their annual budget to the tune of $1,000 or more. You can find out how your congregation can become part of the Issues Etc. 300 and become part of that ongoing support of Issues Etc. Go to our website, issuesetc.org. Click the Promote page. You'll find there both information on the Issues Etc. 300 and a flyer that you can print off right there on your computer. Take it to your pastor, to your board of elders, to the church council, and ask your congregation to become part of the Issues Etc. 300. And we thank all the congregations that serve in that capacity already as part of the Issues Etc. 300. When we come back from our break, it's Hour 2 of Issues Etc. Colleen Carroll Campbell will join us to talk about the next Archbishop of St. Louis and also about the FDA's decision to lower the age for the morning after pill. Now, without a doctor's prescription, your daughter or your son, if he's buying it for someone else, can go into the pharmacist and without a prescription, buy the morning after pill. Colin Carroll Campbell will join us to talk about that, and then we'll talk prayer for the remainder of the second hour with Dr. Andrew Steinman of Concordia University, Chicago. You can join us for the next hour, one 623 6943 877-623-MYIE, or talk back at issuesetc.org. So it is repentance that God desires to work in us, and it's repentance that he does work in us. It's a wonder that he does. It's a miracle that he does, because left to my own devices, I would not repent. I would live adamantly in my own sin, alienated from God and from everyone else around me. So thanks be to God that the first thing he does with us hardened sinners is break that heart of stone and give us repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. When we come back, hour two of Issues Etc., stay tuned. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc., Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Lutheran Public Radio, P.O. Box 912, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 912, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.